Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Okay, we are recording now. Thank you for telling me, oh my god. (laughs) What a monumentous... You sound so crystal clear right now, I just gotta gotta say. You're so fucking smug, I'm gonna be your ass. (laughs) Uh, so you uh, had an adventure this morning. I have been awake since 3.30 in the morning doing my civic duty, Jen. Your <laughs> civic duty. Duty. Hmm. And what is this, your civic duty? So I am a member of the Grand Rapids JCs because of course I am. You are now fully ensconced in your role as Isabel. <laughs> Holly, I am. And you are involved in every single goddamn thing. It's true. <laughs> Meanwhile, I sit at home and judge you. That's as, as it should be. Thank yes. you. <laughs> yeah, so I've been awake since 3.30 in the morning oh, uh, helping to organize volunteers yeah. who were like organizing parade float people. And oh, it was fun. I'm looking God. forward to it. At the, at at the Santa year. Parade? Did at we... the Santa okay, Parade, yeah. <laughs> In case we didn't say that, the Art Van Santa Parade is presented Ooh. by the Grand Rapids JCs. Well, well, well. So the Grand Rapids JCs are actually, like, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You sound like such a goddamn nerd right now. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, but they're, like, I'm really... just, like, like, all about community organizing right now. This is not the sort of community organizing I thought I would be involved in. Yeah. But that's okay. I like a parade. I do. <laughs> More I like parades, parade. less protesting. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, I can do a little bit of both. Yeah. So you were in the Santa parade. Well, I wasn't in it. Oh. No. Oh, I thought you were going to be driving a car. I was going to, and that's still on my bucket list. But in the end, they needed me in the HQ more. That's, I, I got to say, that's very big of you to graciously accept that role. Thank and you. And to... Let someone else drive the car. I was not wearing eye makeup at the time, which Mm. was crucial so that nobody knew I was crying. (laughs) No, it's okay. You're like, okay. It's fine. I'll do that. (laughs) No, it's cool. Uh, Our president, I was going to be driving our president, who is our good friend, Jen. Not me. No, right. Different Jen. (laughs) My other Jen. Jen, who's in our group. Okay. Last name starts with a B. Uh And then also Jen... Who I play D&D with. Those are the same gen. Oh, okay. I was so, like, there's more. There's so many gens. Do you have an army of gens at I your disposal? I should. I should just have an army at my disposal full stop. <laughs> Wouldn't the world be better if I were in charge? <laughs> I have the crown. I just need an army. Yeah. I feel like Daenerys Targaryen. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so I had a really good time. Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to doing it again next year. And then I also have another event coming up uh, also with the Grand Rapids JCs. Mm. It's the holiday shopping tour. Yeah. Where we literally bring in kids known to local agencies. We give them all money and we send them shopping for their families, which I think is a pretty good praxis, actually. That is amazing. You know, like that's a real impact. And we get to bring in fun celebrities to go shopping with the kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll have like Deadpool or mm. Darth Vader. Or oh, I would love awesome... to go shopping with Darth Vader. Who I think that would wouldn't? be the most charming thing in the world. <laughs> super fun. Super fun. Especially if they could stay in like character the whole damn time. Yeah. I know not. <laughs> I know not which join, to join choose. me in the. Okay. Uh, exactly. <laughs> we're good at Darth uh, Vader. Yeah. So, yeah. Civic, civic involvement, Jen. Civic involvement. But. You uh, narrowly missed a certain annual tradition this morning. Yes, I did. 
Uh, all right, so I have been. <laughs> this is Christmas Watch 2019. Christmas. So as you know, Jennifer, I am mm-hmm. a known humbug. Yes. Despite my involvement in the Santa Parade. <laughs> I an interloper. I a Grinch walks amongst us. That's fucking right. Listen, my problem with Christmas mm. is that it's inescapable. That is true. There is no place in this world where you can avoid, well, in this, you know, western Michigan. And we're proving that by talking about Christmas. I know. Like well, okay, when when this comes out it'll be the week after Thanksgiving, right. but for us Thanksgiving hasn't even happened yet. Is in like 6 days, for 5 sure. days. So I find, I have to find what little enjoyment I get out of Christmas and I have to milk it for all it's worth. Mm. And one of my favorite games to play mm-hmm. is Whamageddon. <laughs> Do tell because this is the, the first time I have heard of this. Oh my God, it's so fun. So it's, do you remember, I'm going to ruin a bunch of people's lives right now. Yeah. Go for it. Do you remember playing the game? I just lost Fuck the game. Fuck me, I lost the game. <laughs> Of course. Uh, so Pour one out for the mid-aughts. <laughs> what a glorious time to be alive. Yes. Where everybody just started playing a stupid game like that. It was called self-reported. The game. It was called the game. And the whole purpose of the game was to forget you were playing the game. Yeah. When you remember again, you lose. And you have to announce, oh, I lost the game. I lost the game. So that so, everyone else can lose the game. That's right. Like a kamikaze. Yes. <laughs> so this game, Whamageddon, mm. is the game, but for Christmas music. So as you know, there's like eh, 80 Christmas songs ish, yeah. and those are that's the only. generous. Yeah, and I mean honestly, it's probably really about 50. I think 80 counting all of the Christmas hymns, and um, that I think Christmas hymns count for about 40 of the Christmas songs. And then the rest of them are pop songs. That could be. That's probably about right. Okay. And there are some good ones out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like a total hater. Oh, there's some bangers. Yeah. Uh, and one of those known bangers is Last Christmas by Wham. <sighs> oh. Come on, Jen. It's a good song and you know it. It is. You know it's a good song. A song? It's a good song. It is one of my least favorite Christmas songs. Really? Yeah. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And the very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. Peak George Michael. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great song. Oh and the fact that you know it... It, like you Everyone could, knows it. Well, right, because there's no escaping Christmas. <laughs> there's only ten of them. <laughs> ten Christmas of the songs. is a very special time of year that goes on for about 90 fucking days. Yeah. And uh, there's no escaping it, and you have to participate. And even people who are not Christians also are forced to participate. Hashtag the war on Christmas. That's right. Fuck that. It's a uh, war for Christmas, really. That's true. So anyways, back to Whamageddon. The purpose of the game is to not hear that song. Now, you, you all have been spared. Right. Because it's... One, there are a couple rules okay. in play. There's a couple. Uh, one, mm-hmm. only the originals counts. Oh, okay. So, so us covers, singing it Yeah, we're not count. fucking you up. That's, yeah. We're not George Michael. We How can do... sing this song all day long. And we might, because it gets will. in there, and it lives in there. <laughs> The other good rule mm-hmm. is that Whamageddon has a very specific time period. Thank so God. December 1st, the okay. game starts. Oh, okay. And you have to try and make it without hearing that song all the way mm-hmm. to Christmas Day. That is a nearly impossible task. Nearly impossible. Now, last Just year, walking I... walking through the mall is a hazard. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is why Jen 
I think this is the year I go all the way. Yeah. Are you ready for this? Yes. Tell me about your preparations. Well, I'm not preparing. Oh. Oh, okay. The world owes me a couple favors right now. (laughs) (laughs) And some of the shittiness has actually resulted in an advanced position for Whamageddon. Mm. So, uh, one notable thing is that my commute, mm-hmm. instead of being back and forth 50 miles each way, yeah. is now one mile each way. Mm. I do not have time to sit in my car and hear multiple songs. Also, uh, amazing that you listen to the radio anymore Thank at you all. for bringing that up. Point number two, Jen. <laughs> I don't listen to the radio in my car. As you never should. It's only two minutes. God invented aux cables for a reason. There's that. Mm-hmm. Additionally... Uh, one of my last teaching days for my last museum was out in a wilderness site. Mm-hmm. And the wilderness took my car antenna. <laughs> <gasps> what? I just heard this weird... You know, my car antenna has been like hanging for a while, for oh, like okay. 10 years. Oh. Um, and like I just prop it up every time I saw it, just put, put it back in the hole. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, this time the wilderness took it from me. You just lost it? I, well, it was taken. You By Bigfoot. Probably. The doc man, at least. There's no there's no evidence for why not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's gone. Mm. Uh, so I don't get radio stations anymore. Excellent. Which means my only musical options are my aux cable. Mm-hmm. Jen asked me how much Christmas music is saved in my phone. How much? <laughs> exactly none. Oh. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. It's very convenient. Mm-hmm. Additionally, Jen, what mm-hmm. if I were to go out in public? Who would do that? Exactly, Jen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who would do such a thing? First of all, I work 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. All right? This is the most I've ever worked. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so at work, I don't have to hear, hear music. Uh, furthermore, I don't go to the grocery store. I make my groceries come to me like the bougie bitch I am. Yes, you're fully living your life. I'm trying my damnedest. (laughs) So many sadness things happened. I get a couple little joys out of this world. Yes. And so anyways, what I'm saying is I shop online. Yeah. I don't go to the grocery store. Uh The odds of me hearing this song are pretty fucking low. Ooh, unless... I go out to dinner or something. Unless... Uh, well, hang on. All right. Hang unless. on. Unless... Jennifer. <laughs> One of the rules... <laughs> it's not really a rule, but it's suggested, Jennifer, that the spirit of the game is that it happens to you. You don't attack people with it. I believe the words <laughs> whamhala were... Yes. Were involved. Whamhala. <laughs> Where you get sent, you can send to your friends halls. to the to the glorified halls of Wemhala. Listen, I understand that you're probably gunning for me. <laughs> Let's just say if you get a little too cocky about it, I might. Last year, want to fix that. Last year, even with my long ass commute and shopping for myself like an animal, mm-hmm. uh, I and I had a I had a radio then. Mm-hmm. I still made it to December seventeenth, which is pretty wow. impressive. Right? Yeah. I'm proud of me, too. So I'm just hoping to at least do better than that. <laughs> you have to be 17 days of not hearing that song. Yeah. Can it be done? Godspeed. Thank you. Uh, I'll be playing along with. I'm excited uh, to see who goes first. Yeah. Also, uh, listeners, if you decide to play, uh, please just uh, announce in the group yeah. when you have lost. Or you can tweet us or tag us or whatever. Um, we definitely want to hear when you're out <laughs> because it's fun. That's like part of the reason for the season, man. Yeah. But we didn't come here to talk about <laughs> Whamageddon, although 
We eh, could. For... We could. I mean, that's a side podcast for sure. Yeah, for sure. Why I Hate Christmas, a podcast by Kate. <laughs> Christmas. That you only air in December. Yes. Get fucked, Jesus. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm going straight to hell. Yeah. This isn't going to be the thing that put me over the line, though. No. Like, I was already in the handbasket. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Uh, speaking of hell in a handbasket, do you want to talk about national parks? Yes. So, uh, I'm, why did you want to talk about national parks? Because this was your idea. And uh, I was like, I mean, I don't normally associate the national parks with ghosts, but... Really? Yeah. I am. Girl, don't know shit about national parks. Do you know how many people die in our national parks every year? Well, I did go to the Grand Canyon this year, and uh-huh. I did see a Are you lot a ghost right now? of dumb influencers sitting I on the... I you did. Yeah, on the edge of the rim. <laughs> rim. I know. And, yeah, yeah posing yeah. right out there, and I was like, you... You are one rock slide away from a 400-foot fall. <laughs> yeah. One of the shortest falls from the lookout positions is still 280 feet straight down. Onto rock. Onto real aggressive rock. Like, these aren't, like, smooth, sweet, old rocks like the uh, mm-hmm. fucking Appalachian. This is not, no, Wesley and Buttercup rolling down the hills saying, as you wish. Right, This no. is, you are dead. These rocks are looking to kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of people die in our national parks. To say nothing of all the bodies that get buried there, a lot of serial killers have been putting bodies in our national parks oh. for a long-ass time. Yeah, isn't there a spot in Yellowstone that's, like, there is. technically legal? And we are definitely going to cover it in the coming weeks (laughs) so we're gonna do a little series on our national parks uh additionally national parks are just kind of cool yeah they're like one of the few things that america does well 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 we used to yeah so the national park system isn't ideal uh but there are some things to celebrate there the american landscape is a unique and beautiful place okay so let's talk briefly about i didn't do a ton of research into this now so i'm i'm just going off of this history.com article about the national parks and when they were i know right (laughs) i'm sorry i really hate history uh in general yes (laughs) i'm I'm software now jen uh no i I hate history history. (laughs) i hate history because they're pop-up city on their websites um, and their information's fine if brief. And also yes. isn't like a 50-point font. Who is this blind? Uh, the people who watch the History Channel. You're probably right. <laughs> All right. You so. know I'm right. So the national parks were kind of like envisioned, created, conceptualized in the late 1800s. This is, if you think about it, it makes sense. We've got the... Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail? Mm-hmm. Oregon. Oregon? Oregon. Oregon Trail. That's how you say it. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I know it's Oregon. <laughs> that, that's sending people west in the like first... We just did an episode on this. I don't remember the time. I'm not going to help you out. That's fine. <laughs> We've got the gold rush and... 1849. Very good. Do you know that date? And so we have a lot of people who are suddenly interested in moving west. Uh, we have the Civil Wars done in the 1860s, and so people are like moving on. We've got railroads. We've got we've got wagon trails. Let's go west. Let's get that land. Get that bread. Get all the gold. Kick out all the Indians. Yep. Uh, so. Uh, while people are going west, while we've got, you know, Lewis and Clark at the very beginning of the 1800s, through all the other western explorers, they're saying, guys, there's all this fantastic land out there. Let's go take it. But we also had movements 
like transcendentalism, where you have people like Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson who are like, hey, uh, nature's beautiful. And maybe we should like enjoy nature. And you're making a face at me like you don't agree. As you know. <laughs> Noted. I am the worst half-assed pagan. I don't like nature. <laughs> I like air conditioning and being left alone where mm. there's no bugs. Mm. But good for good for those nature weirdos. Yeah. I say good day to them. Yeah. Good day. Uh <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> so and it's it's funny because those guys are mostly like out on the East Coast. and Yeah, where so, nature was significantly tamer. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So fine. But you had, but you had, okay, this is me getting into my art history nerd dump. Um, but you had painters like Thomas Cole. Thomas Cole started the Hudson Valley movement in art where he was painting all these very idealized landscapes of the Hudson River Valley. Hmm. And was and he would also like have like way off in the distance like the creeping encroaching shadow of industrialization you'd have like a city off in the distance you could see like the smog coming out of it and so you have people for the first time being like cities are gross maybe we should not do this and maybe we should actually kind of protect nature yeah which is a worthwhile effort it is i want other people to enjoy nature in Mm -hmm. the same way that i want other people to have you know they're farm core houses. It's just not for me. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, like, that's very generous. Thank you. I like to think of myself as a generous leader. Yeah. Um, also, as I uh, learned in a school presentation that I last minute had to give the other week, Michigan was being like completely cut down from all the trees were being just chopped down in the entire state of Michigan. It took 60 years to clear cut the entire state. So people looked at that and they're like, maybe we shouldn't have done that. There was, like, a lot of industrialization, a lot of people moving west, a lot of people being like, maybe industrialization is bad, and they're seeing all these really beautiful pieces of land out west, and so some people decided maybe we should protect it, protect before, it, it gets there. before we ruin it, mm-hmm. which is a really good idea. I wish we would have had that in Michigan. There's almost yeah. no virgin forest left in Michigan. Yeah, because we cut it all down. Yeah, we did. We really clear-cut the state in just about 66 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you like how I had to be more precise? 66. I know we tell the second graders 60, but it's 66. Yeah, that's fine. So people like John Muir, uh, who was one of the first environmentalists, he got Teddy Roosevelt on board. Teddy Roosevelt is noted badass. Noted badass, big-time nature lover. Big-time nature lover. And I Although the way he loves nature is kind of ironic. We're going to we're going to come back to that. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a very 19th century way of loving nature where he's like all about going out into nature and experiencing nature and killing nature. And bringing it back into his house. (laughs) Yes. So it's not, and this is why I say that we haven't really ever done it perfectly well. Also because when we were moving out west and we were discovering all this beautiful land, who do you think was already there? Oh, was it? Millions of Native Americans. Yeah. And so we had a really great tendency to be like, oh, you use this land and you view it as sacred. And uh, we agree it is very beautiful. But how about we don't let you use it anymore because we're going to protect it. We're going to carve the faces of four white men who are... (laughs) Into your sacred mountain. (laughs) Into your sacred mountain. That's something we should... Yeah, we should definitely do that one. Yeah. So 
Yeah, that's a lot of very kind of vague dancing around the, the topic of the founding of the national park system. Um, it didn't really all happen at one time. Like the first national park was founded in 1872, and that was Yellowstone. And all the ones that quickly followed were out west. And we didn't really realize that land east was worth saving until later, probably because people wanted to use it. Right. Still. There were fortunes to be made on the land over here. Yeah. So I'm going to talk specifically about Glacier National Park. Very cool. Yes. So Glacier National Park is in West Glacier, Montana. I haven't been to that one. Uh, It looks like it is cool. It is very close to the Canadian border, like directly due south of Calgary, if you know where that is. I do. All of our Canadian friends. They're like, yes. Of of which there are some. There are some. of Canadian friends. I know. I, I apologize, Canadians. You are... Valid and loved and appreciated. Um, Also, please be ready to sign refugee papers for us. Yeah. The park itself is a region of protected land encompassing 16,000 square miles or over a million acres. Holy shit. Yes. That's real big. Yes. It includes 26 glaciers, 130 named lakes, more than 1,000 different species of plants, and hundreds of species of animals. It houses almost all of its original native plant and animal species, including grizzly bears, moose, mountain goats, uh, rare endangered species like wolverines and Canadian lynxes. So it is... They have wolverines still? Apparently. We live... Guys, uh, the wolverine is the symbol of Michigan. Yeah. There are none in the state. The last one was hit by a car in 2005, I believe. 2008, somewhere in there. That's sad. It is sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no evidence that any wolverines remain in the state of Michigan after that last one died. Mm. But it's nice that they're still out west. They still exist. Um, So, yeah, we definitely should be protecting them. And don't get me wrong, I am glad that this area is being protected. However, this land has been in use by humans for over 10,000 years. Sure. For as long as there have been humans on North America, roughly. Exactly. Most Native American tribes don't really have a concrete definition of, like, land that we that is ours, that we own. Right. Um, so when I talk about using the land, uh, I don't know. I think they have lived in parts of it or bordering it, but they have definitely used it for different like there's different like pilgrimages that they make for different reasons and different rites of passages that have definitely used that land and also using it for like hunting and trapping and you know all that kind of thing um, but the there's a few different tribes that have used that land notably the Blackfoot Indian tribe or Blackfoot tribe and I'm going to apologize. I don't. These are the names that were given to me in the research. I know that Americans have a real great habit. Well, white people in general have a real great habit of giving their own names to, <laughs> to indigenous tribes. I sincerely doubt the Blackfoot called themselves the Blackfoot The Blackfoot, Foot, yes. And so that's, yeah. And like the Iroquois Nation, that's a French word. Um, so so I didn't, I didn't actually find the like actual native like indigenous name for these tribes but uh so it's the blackfeet tribe the salish uh pen salish comma pen doriel which is a french ass name and the kootenay tribes so blackfeet that tribe is to the east which is more of a prairie like flatland and then the other tribes salish pen doriel and kootenay tribes were more native to the forest to the west 
of this land. And then the actual land itself is like very mountainous. It's different sub, sub, what is it? Mountain range, sub, sub ranges oh. of the Rocky Mountains. That oh. is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I have it in my notes. So they, these tribes have, you know, lived and used the land. The mountains in the area, especially Chief Mountain and the two medicine region are considered, quote, the backbone of the world. Um, by these tribes because it backs up against a continental divide. Neat. Yes, it does. Yeah. So if you don't know what a continental divide is, that's basically where the land is like high enough where on one side the water rolls down into one water system, Pacific. and on the other side it rolls down to a different water system. Atlantic. Exactly. Uh, then, well, it's not always strictly Pacific or Atlantic. No, but it hits the water that is part of that. So, like, if yeah. it rolls into the Gulf of Mexico, that's also the Atlantic. Well, but I grew up near a continental divide where the water either goes uh, north to Hudson east. Bay. No, it oh. goes east down to like uh, the eventually lands in the Atlantic Ocean, or it goes west down to the Mississippi and goes into the Gulf. So. Which is also... It's still a continental divide because it goes in different directions. I mean, all right, but fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's Mm -hmm. interesting about the continental divide you're talking about is that it's actually... It predates humanity. Mm. Uh, That continental divide has been dividing continents since uh, at least the last ice age, which started 200,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but the two ice sheets that covered North America and shaped so much of the land that we're going to talk about today, the Laurentide and the other one. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) I don't know. They they joined roughly in that area. Oh, okay. That's all. Yeah. Um, so anytime I have the opportunity to talk about the Ice Age, I'm gonna fucking take it. By all means, I know nothing about the Ice Age. Oh, you gonna learn. Good. Um, so the first white people kind of traveled through that area around uh, the early 1700s. Um, there were fur trappers mostly, and you know people looking for beaver pelts and the like. Probably French people who named one of those tribes with a French ass name, mm-hmm. and. You know, as time goes on, more and more white people come through. You have Lewis and Clark, who came, like, within about 50 miles of what is now Glacier National Park. And then eventually, the railroad came. Oh, before the railroad, though, starting around the 1850s, there was, like, a more concentrated set of American explorers that traveled through. Namely, George Bird Grinnell, an anthropologist who hired James Willard Schultz to guide him on a hunting expedition through the area. And after several of these trips, Grinnell became lobbying hard to establish the land as a national park. Cool. So I think his name comes up in my thing, too. <laughs> oh, okay. So in 1891, the Great Northern Railway is built along the southern border of the park. And so now you've got, you know, an, an anthropologist, Grinnell, and then you've also got capitalism in the form of a railway and both of these people are kind of being like hey we should uh create this as a national park and you know maybe one person thinks it's because of the natural beauty but definitely the railroads like if it's a national park people will buy tickets on our railway and they will spend money absolutely yeah so that's fun. By 1895, the federal government decides, okay, we can, we'll, we'll make it like a national pres- forest preserve. 
That was like step one. So under pressure, the Blackfoot tribe ceded mountainous parts of their treaty lands to the federal government, which later became part of the park. Chief White uh, Calf authorized the sale of 800,000 acres to the U.S. government for $1.5 million, I believe at the time. So it's probably like way more now, but um, yeah, we, but they kind of split a deal where he would sell the land uh, with the understanding that they would maintain usage right for hunting. Now, this was fine as long as it was a forest reserve, but the minute it was created a national park, uh, all bets were off. All bets were off. It was suddenly now considered um, public multi-purpose land. And f- in 1935, there was a court claims case that passed a ruling that former rights no longer existed because it is public purpose land. Of course. Yeah. And then I wrote, ha we suck <laughs> because we tend to break every single yeah. treaty that we've ever made with... Native American, American tribes. Groups. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so that's why it's like I feel so conflicted about this kind of thing where I it does make me feel really good and really patriotic to be like, we already knew that this land was beautiful and important and worth saving and worth protecting. So we specifically made a law to protect this land in perpetuity and we can never develop on it and we'll save it and we'll save these ecosystems. But but <laughs> a lot of that land was stolen or kind of sh- sh- like they sold the land or they bought the land from these Native American tribes, but then they were like, just kidding, you can't use it anymore. Well, and, and had of... they not sold it, they would have just exercised eminent domain. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they definitely kind of shadily took the land and then were like, haha, psych, you can't use it anymore. Additionally, mm-hmm. uh, we also don't have the good grace to really be protecting it that well. Uh, historically, there have been a couple national park scandals where... Uh, private companies were utilizing national parks for capitalistic gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at that again mm-hmm. with uh, the rollbacks of protections during the Trump administration. Yeah. Well, and there's also this is this comes up with with zoos too, where yes, we're protecting this land, but we're also developing it and kind of harming a lot to create roads that go out there and hotels. And I compare it to zoos because there is a very real sense where. If people don't see things, they don't care, care about it. So a lot of the importance of the national parks is creating protected environments and like curated experiences for people to experience nature mm-hmm. and to think like, oh, this is worth protecting. Like this is beautiful. Like because and because the National Park Service has gone through and created all these trails and they've like been like, okay, you can walk here, but you can't walk here. Right. And that's important because without that, people would just walk everywhere right. and ruin everything. And that's very important. And that's what zoos do too. They're like, okay, you can see the animals, but we're going to pr- protect them by like taking care of them and keeping them away from you and t- keeping them so that you can't shoot them. Right. So I'm so glad you brought up the word zoos because mm-hmm. as we were doing this research, uh, I got in touch with a friend of the show, Cambry, mm-hmm. uh, the with Jasper and Amber, the adorable corgis. Mm-hmm. So Cambry is a frequent visitor of our national parks, and she was telling me. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, a lot of the people who go to the national parks who are are not um, not naturey, mm-hmm. and also maybe um, have a failing understanding of exactly how the national parks function. Yes, uh, Cambry would like us to remind everybody that these are not zoos. Yeah. So Cambry was in a gift shop. <laughs> and excited. somebody came in to tell the ranger that uh, the, the bear was out of its cage. Oh, no. Look out, look out. The bear is out of its cage. And the ranger's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, guys, um, those animals are real. Those yeah. are real animals. There's and, a uh, reason why you should go to the National Park Service website for any park that you want to visit. And you can see there's like alerts that they have. Yes. There's information that they have. Useful information about how to not get eaten by a bear because they roam wild. They do. As do wolves. And you know, mm-hmm. um, Camry was telling me uh, elk or caribou, I don't remember which one she said, mm-hmm. uh, also kill people because they drop birth. They like have their babies very near cars sometimes. Yeah, we were driving around... I think the Grand Canyon. Yes, the Grand Canyon. And we saw a bunch of either elk or caribou. I can't, I don't know either. Uh, and they were like right by the road. Yeah. And people were stopping and taking pictures. And like, it was very awesome. Uh, can I tell you my favorite story from this year? Okay. Oh, wait, sorry. Did I cut you off? No. Okay. Uh, so this is my favorite story from this year. This is actually from October 1st. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a man, his name is Kyle Burgess was gored by a bison. He got too fucking close oh my God. to what amounts to an 800-pound cow. <laughs> and they, honestly, they might be bigger. I have no idea. Big-ass fucking animal, though. Mm-hmm. So he was all set. That happened in Utah's Antelope Island State Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that he had gotten gored in June. So he goes back in October to forgive the bison. Oh, my God. And he brings his girlfriend along. Of all the idiotic things. And what do they do? They get too close to the bison, yeah. and the girlfriend gets gored. Oh, my God. They're going to have to go back again. They're Clearly. Because they have to forgive. Forgiveness hasn't been reached. Yeah. So that's, my, that's one of my favorite stories from this year. That or they're like, fuck the bison. They are now our enemy, and we will destroy them. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun, too. Yeah. Uh, bison's pretty delicious, so if they do destroy some, send me a package. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably do it as we all did when we played Oregon Trail. Shoot all of them, and then you can't carry all of them out. It's the best way. Yeah. So, anyway. So, in 1910, uh, a bill is signed into law by President William Howard Taft, uh, designating the area uh, as the eighth national park in our system. Uh, So, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and right away, uh, we started uh, commercializing the fuck out of it. A ton of hotels and chalets, which are kind of a Swiss lodge type thing, were built uh, throughout the park between 1910 and 1913. And uh, surprise, they all seem to be haunted as fuck. Of course. <laughs> of course. So let's get into that, shall yes, we? please. <clears throat> so um, I got a lot of my information. First of all, the, the beginning stuff, I got it from the Na- the National Park Service website, nps.gov uh, slash uh, GLAC for Glacier. That's how you can, every national park has its own 
four-letter designation. So Mm -hmm. once you start learning them, it's kind of fun. Um, And then I also got a lot of information from Wikipedia because all hail Wikipedia. All hail. (laughs) So, but for this next part, I read uh, an article called Glacier's Haunted History by Tristan Scott that was uh, published in the Flathead Beacon in October 2016. And then I also read an article called The Most Terrifying Ghost Story to Ever Come Out of Montana is Truly Chilling. And that was written by Jessica Wick in onlyinyourstate.com. Oh, and then I also read an article called The Bustling Belton Chalet by Megan Borshert. Borsch? Yeah, whatever. Borscht. No, there's an ERT at the end. Hmm. Uh, and that one comes from werewolves.com. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> do, do, do. So there's a bunch of different hotels, and most of them were built in the early 1900s. So they are old and charming. They're all like wooden cabins, and they're all haunted, apparently. There is uh, the Lake McDonald Lodge. And did I write any, inf- like, historical information about this place down? Nope. Nope, didn't need it. Doesn't matter. Uh, but I'm just going to, like, kind of rattle off a whole list of ghostly encounters that happened at these places. Because that is how they came to me. So in Lake McDonald Lodge, uh, there's a woman dressed in, quote, old-time clothes <laughs> that has been spotted by a security man and a night auditor many times. Uh, she looks out of the lobby windows that open to the lakeside veranda. Lovely. I mean, that'd be a pretty chill way to spend your afterlife, I think. Yeah. Just, like, chill in a hotel and look out the window at the beautiful... Shrinking glacier. Yeah. Yeah. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There have been a lot of guests who report uh, hearing a couple arguing loudly on the balconies, even when no one is there. Oh, that would scare me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder what level of arguing it is and there have also been several people who have reported feeling someone or something run its fingers through their hair rude don't do that yeah consent is sexy even in the afterlife yeah yeah you should always ask people if you're cool touching your their hair also pro tip don't just don't do it just don't do it just don't do it Yeah. So a lot of these stories come from Karen Stevens, who has written a couple books about Montana. She's written a book called Haunted Montana, and then a book specifically about the national park called Glacier Ghost Stories. Fun. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have time to get into it because she's too good for previews on Google Books, <laughs> apparently. Uh, but she's a paranormal investigator, and she has spent a lot of time around this area. She wanted to investigate Lake McDonald Lodge at one point, but there were no vacancies. Uh, So instead she rented a cabin um, by the lake, cabin 2A. She reports that when she got there, there was a ghastly smell permeating the room. And in the middle of the night, uh, she woke up to what she thought sounded like a gunshot. That would be alarming. That would be alarming. Um, and then in the morning, all the books that she had arranged on the table had been knocked to the floor. <laughs> huh. Yeah. And then she, about her experience, she said, I have been fascinated by ghosts my entire life, and I still don't fully understand how something that doesn't have a body can turn a doorknob, flip a light switch, or make audible footsteps. Just, I mean, yeah, girl, me too. <laughs> and that's why we have this show. Exactly. That's why we're all here today. 
There is another hotel called the Many Glacier Hotel, which I assume will soon be called to the No Glacier Hotel. Sad. <laughs> oh. Oh. Karen Stevens interviewed a longtime former caretaker of the hotel named Steve Lautenbach, who spent winters overseeing the old hotel. And it says before he died in Florida in 2008 at the age of 37... That doesn't seem quite right. It does not seem right. Nevertheless, that's what it said. But this made me... I bet you it's supposed to be like 87. I hope so. I hope he didn't... three got cut off. I hope he didn't die in Florida at the age of 37 because that's just grim. But I was getting a lot of the Shining vibes from it. Yes. Yes. I was like, red rum. Red rum. Red rum. Which reminds me, I was listening to that book on Audible and I need to return to it because I haven't finished it because Stephen King books... Are an eternity long. They are. And they usually involve way too much creepy sex. Yeah. Why Stephen King? We should do a whole episode about Stephen King sometime. Well, if that's the case, I'd like to get him on the show. He's buck wild. He seems really fun. <sighs> he does. I like his quirky. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so this guy, Steve Lautenbach, who is the winter caretaker, which I love. Right. One night he had been making his rounds when he discovered an empty wine bottle in the hallway. And then he noticed that the glass doors of the wine case were wide open and that one of the slats was empty. No guests had stayed in the hotel for several months and there were no footprints in the fresh snow outside. Yikes. Yeah. To that I also say, are you just covering your ass? <laughs> Did you just want a bottle of that wine? You know. I swear it was a ghost. <laughs> the ghost took the wine and drank it. There have also been reports there of a woman in a red dress and noisy parties happening in room 308 when the room is vacant. Mm. Those always scare me. Yeah. Slash, I want to get on on the fun. Yeah. So, yeah. But the, the place that I found by far the most stories about is a place called the Belton Chalet. And it was built in 1910. And it was one of the first Great Northern Railway hotels. So that railway was built... 1891 and this hotel was built in 1910 and it's kind of like the gateway to the park okay so this place seems to be super duper haunted there is a paranormal prankster nicknamed bob who plays tricks on guests and hotel employees by stealing room keys and just generally being spooky i guess fun yeah Oh, one of the most disturbing stories was there was one time a woman claimed to the hotel clerk that her husband turned around in the shower to encounter a ghostly young girl standing in the shower with him. What a creep. Yeah. Again, ghosts consent. Creepy ghosts consent. Yeah. Yeah. So they uh, packed up very quickly and left shortly after and his hair was still wet because he was in such a rush to get out of there. Yeah. 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 um, And... They're not the only one who have reported seeing... Ghosts in the showers? A, a, the little girl in the shower. She needs to cut it the fuck out. That's yeah. rude. Yeah. Listen. People, I, they're I'm the most vulnerable. S- sorry that you uh, maybe didn't get to experience everything you wanted to experience in life, but... Just wait for your next life. My leave God. Leave people alone. <laughs> there is also a story about a guest who woke up shortly after falling asleep to the sound of boots in the hall. They stopped outside his door. The man turned towards the door to look, but didn't see anyone. When he rolled back over to go to sleep, there was a man by his window. No. 
He asked the man what his name was and why he was there. The man replied that he was a miner in the area and couldn't leave. And he said his name was Lundgren. Which is very specific. It's a lot of information. Yeah, this is a very helpful ghost. Yeah. The next day, the guests did some research and confirmed that there was indeed a Lundgren family who was living in the area. So maybe that guy went there, started a family, died, and couldn't move yeah. on. Yeah, I hope he didn't die in a mining disaster. Those are awful. Probably he did. Let's face <sighs> it. Awful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's another story about a guest who claims that he saw a big black cloud appear in his room at 1.30 in the morning. Hmm. Yeah. There's rumors that the hotel was built on Indian burial ground. Probably true. Yeah, but that does seem to be kind of a catch-all excuse for ghost happenings. It's true. So I don't want to be like too like, everything's Indian burial grounds. Although, to be fair, the whole country Indian, is. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so... Yeah. So the hotel enlisted a Blackfoot Indian elder to cleanse the hotel with an abalone shell, causing to stop at each door. So, I mean, I was good on them, I guess. Hopefully Um, that helps. Yeah. It says it was rumored to have helped as the energy of the hotel changed from ominous to playful. So I guess maybe that's where Bob came in. I don't know. Yeah, that's better than ominous. Yeah, I would much rather hang out with Bob, the prankster who's just like, where are your keys? Ha ha, I've got them. <laughs> I'm Bob. I'm Bob. Then the creepy girl in the shower. Right, get it together, people. Yeah. Yeah, it changed to playful. Spirits that continued to hang around appeared to listen when the staff asked them to be quiet. Which is, again, more considerate. Very polite. Um, And then much of the activity stopped over the course of 50 years until renovations began in 1998. Uh It was completely renovated uh, by the year 2000. So I don't know if the activity is like there now. But there is uh, a grill and tap room that is the scene of a lot of raucous activity, even after closing hours. Oh. Oh. So much so that the the hotel dog, apparently there's a perpetual hotel dog, sure. uh, refuses to go into the area. Wow. That's how you know. That Yeah, I would find that very compelling. Yeah. Because animals fucking know. They do. Yeah. So there's, there's reports of more pungent odors. Which is... I mean, also, you're in nature. You're in nature, but I feel like... I don't know. So, like, when we were... When I was hanging out at Hyde Hall a lot, there were always stories of people smelling rose and pipe tobacco. Huh. And those are very specific... Yeah. Somewhat generational smells. Yeah. Like, they belong to a certain time period. Right. And especially when you're used to smelling the mold. And wax and dust. (laughs) Yeah. Like... Of an old house. Yeah. When you start suddenly start smelling what's you know, seems to be rose perfume, that would be kind of kind of off putting. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Probably a lot nicer than a pungent odor. Yeah. Like Um, fire or brimstone or like mm -hmm. feces or corpses. Mm -hmm. People have also seen a man in a derby hat carrying a satchel. A very important businessman. Yes, business. They've also heard disembodied sobbing coming from rooms 30 and 37. Hmm. Yeah, that's... That would be a real bummer. I would completely be down to party in room 308 in the other place, but 
I would not want to stay in rooms 30 or 37, gotta say. No, too sad. Yeah. Uh, They've heard voices calling guests' names, slamming doors, turning on faucets, flickering lights, and banging pans. This place seems to be active as fuck. And I really, like, I would love so much to find, like, a firsthand account of this. And people have also experienced ice-cold chills, Um, In various areas, Uh, the light fixture above the grand stairs is commonly seen to be violently swinging with no explanation. Nope. Fuck that. I would probably just stand there and watch, to be honest. (laughs) I was about to say I would fuck right out of there, but I would be like, what the fuck? Side question. Hmm. Every time you hear the grand staircase, do you think about Titanic? Because every time. That's all I think about. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Or at least one person has seen a random marble bouncing down the stairs. Hmm. Yeah. Creepy. Creepy. (laughs) Um, Also, there is definitely a scene in the movie The Awakening with this exact thing happening. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Love that movie. And there have also been kerosene smoke smudges that appear on newly painted walls or cleaned windows. I love that. Yes. Kerosene being like the predominant heating way to heat back in like Light. the 30s and 40s. Kerosene lamps. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Sorry, what did I say? Heat. Oh, yeah. No, I mean like lanterns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The place would have been completely lit by kerosene lamps, and kerosene is very smoky. It and is. So there's and a lot. Sooty. Of, you have to constantly clean out those those like globes around them, and yeah, it would leave stains on the walls and the windows and everything, and it is kind of. Delightfully mysterious if yeah. they still appear. I mean, mm. we've been past the age of burning kerosene for a 60 long time. years. And not even like ye olde places really no. do that because it's a hotel. So that's a huge fire hazard. Huge. So they're definitely not doing that. No. Yeah. Some claim that the activity comes from a man who was killed by a train nearby or from a woman who threw herself over the ledge of, I guess the stairs or something or a balcony uh, due to extreme remorse and sadness so yeah that was kind of a long list of things i hope it was sounds like a rich and interesting place yeah so that was that yeah i'd love to hear anyone's like personal account of that yeah let's go to montana someday i would love to i kind of like I, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to see a lot of national parks this summer, mm-hmm. and I would love to see more. Like, it kind of, you know, it was a fun adventure. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of fun adventures, yeah, let's talk about my national park, the Grand Canyon. The grandest of canyons, which I got to say, lives up to the hype. I have never been. Mm-hmm. I was trying to explain to Dan what we were talking about, and yeah. I couldn't come up with the words Grand Canyon. So huh. I kept saying the big fucking hole. The big, you know, the big fucking hole in the middle. Real of big fucking hole. The U.S. Not quite the middle, but yeah. Well, to the to the left. <laughs> yes, very good, Jen. In the left U.S. <laughs> what? Yes, yes, you're right. When I you're was right, there. Right. It's fine. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so yeah, I'm talking about the Grand Canyon today. I have not been. Uh, hopefully I get to go there eventually. It's awesome. It seems cool. It seems like a really good time, mm-hmm. uh, especially because, as you know, I'm a fucking nerd. And I really like temporal eras. So, like, talking about, like, the different stages in history. Mm. I, you know this about me. Okay. Like, how I really, like, I have such a fucking hard on for the, like, I'm I'm 1,000% horny on Maine for the Ice Age. 
Like, I fucking love talking really? about Really? Okay, because I'm, like, not so much a natural history person. But it's so much more interesting than people. But people write things. Like, this was, this sure. was my thing. Like, I took, like, an ancient history class. Right. And it stressed me out so much because they're like, writing was invented in 10,000 BC. And, and then the next thing happened 8,000 years later. Right. And I was like, what? <laughs> I need more defined eras. And everything was like, well, we think this was what happened. And I was like, I need more. I need things written down. Jen, the world is six billion years old. You're lucky know you have is. what you have. That scares me. Yeah, I, kind I of like, love it, though. I like my nice, cozy, neat Victorian era Ugh, where they bleh. wrote everything down. Boring. There was rules for everything. No. I love studying them because they're so fucking weird and they just saved everything and wrote everything down. And Did you can you know? basically recreate this is what this is what we're gonna be like in the future. You could recreate this entire time period. Ugh. Ugh. This period sucks. I love it. Take me back to the plankton. I wanna go back to like single cell organisms. Show me the choir back then, I guess. Maybe not, though, Maybe not. they were almost constant storms. A lot less of our bullshit, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, man, I really want to talk to you about the Ice Age now. I mean... I have a PowerPoint prepared. Oh. It covers... You know what? It doesn't matter. Let's focus on this. Okay. I'm sorry. Guys, someday I'll show you my pa- my Ice Age PowerPoint. And if you ever get, like, if you're possibly feeling also a little horny on Maine for the Ice Age, uh, let me recommend Lost Continent. It's a fantastic book. It's very Bill Bryson-esque, although the author is not Bill Bryson. Although, but we won't hold that against him. Right. Uh, there is a Bill Bryson run of the earth called A Short History of Nearly Everything. Oh, yes. Yeah. I love him. He's delightful. He is. All right. So, Le Grand Canyon. <laughs> Let me just ruffle my papers here. Uh, she's in the northwest corner of Arizona. I don't know why she's a she, but she is now. She is. She's bounded by the Sonoran and the Mojave Desert. So parts of it's it's definitely a semi-arid uh, part of our country. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, it's amazing. I love the desert. It's so cool. It's like nothing that it doesn't look anything like here. It really does. So cool. It's it's pretty much the opposite of Michigan. Yes. Like here, we have more rain than we can handle, and right. we're surrounded by lakes. You are never more than six miles from a body of water in the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? It is cool. You're also never more than six feet from a spider. So, mm-hmm. little of this, little of that. <laughs> anyway, uh, what I find impressive <sighs> about the Grand Canyon is how fucking big it is. It's so big. It is 277 miles. Hang on, I have that in kilometers. 446 kilometers long. Damn. It's a fuck ton of space. Additionally, it can be as wide as 18 miles. 18 miles across. Mm -hmm. So the more famous parts of the Grand Canyon are the ones where it's quite narrow and you can kind of see like the sheer cliff drops rim to rim. Mm -hmm. The two rims are really distinct. Uh, The north rim is about a thousand feet higher than the south rim due to geologic changes. I didn't know that. Now you know. The more you know. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so 1,000 feet higher above sea level on the north rim than the south rim, there's a huge temperature variance. The north yeah. rim is actually pretty akin to Michigan. You can really only go to the north side uh, because their temperatures are just like ours through mid-April to like Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like those are the times that it's open. Right now... Uh, Arizona has hella fucking snow. 
Damn. I know. Mm -hmm. We have no snow right now. Ha <laughs> ha. Suck it, Arizona. Suck it. <laughs> so the one of the websites that I have here um, is, yes, uh, grandcanyonnationalpark.gov. Um, and it does have an alert and effect park closure. Winter storm road conditions, Friday, November 22nd. Mm -hmm. The South Rim roads are open but are snow-packed and icy in places. Shit. Yeah, fuck them. Did you know, though, and maybe this is in your notes, and I'm going to just steamroll over them that in addition to the north and the south rim having different climates it's a different climate above and in the canyon absolutely it's like 20 an degrees gorge and an outer gorge yeah and they are completely different ecologically even yeah it's really fascinating yeah so what that's one of the things that makes the grand canyon so fucking grand mm -hmm. <laughs> It's a really unique geological and ecological site hmm. because so many things have changed but also stayed the same there. We really can get a snapshot of geologic history in that area. Uh, some of the things that we can see is uh, we can track the sequence of changes through the rock walls. So if you go there, you'll see beautiful sandstone and limestone that are layered. It's a uh, striated rock. And one of the things that shows us is the principle of super superposition. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that rocks and earth form. I'll just give you a real basic example. Let's talk about layers of ash. So superposition tells us that the youngest rocks are on top. So if you have a lava flow and that hull hardens into rock mm -hmm. and then you have another another year and another lava flow on top of that, which rocks are younger? The ones on top. Boom. That's the whole principle. Basic archaeology. Right. So that tells us the deeper we go, and sometimes we're going as deep as, you know, almost a mile down. Yeah. You can actually over a mile down. I know numbers. <laughs> you can you can see these different striations in rocks. Another mm. thing that you see is uh, original horizontality. So when you're looking at the hor at these horizontal strata, mm -hmm. sometimes there will be an aberration, and it'll look like... What used to be flat is now off kilter. And so that tells us that something geologic happened there. Hmm. Uh, some sort of fissure or rift mm -hmm. that caused those strata like to break. Like an earthquake or like... Exactly. Yeah. So it's really captured history. Wow. It's cool. It is cool. <laughs> it's super... You're looking at me like I'm such a nerd. Fuck you. You are being a nerd. It's cool, it. though. It is very cool. <laughs> Earth history is neat. I... Yeah. I mean... I took a lot of earth science classes, and parts of it are fascinating, and parts oh, of it are fascinating. Like, Those are a bunch of rocks. <laughs> They're very cool rocks. They're very, but they are rock. It's a good, but if you appreciated what those rocks tell us, yeah, it's really cool, Jen. I yeah, I know. I just you look like you don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is listen, history and natural history and biology and. Chemistry. Uh, chemistry and physics and whatever. They're all beautiful, beautiful topics that not one person can know everything about. And so in the and I I got to appreciate this being in the museum field where everyone specializes in a different thing. That's true. And it's and all it's valid important. and important and beautiful. And I just don't care that much about rocks. Fine. Well, I'm also gonna tell you some more about uh, the fucking ice age, which okay. I love. Okay. Love. Uh, one of the things that we're seeing with this inner and outer gorge is how melting water from the uh, the you know the, the last ice age, giving up these last uh, continental glaciers, mm. so much water was freed that it roughed out 
the canyon quite quickly. Uh, erosion usually is quite gradual, smooth, slow over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the canyon, the lower gorge of the canyon can be so rough in places because huge amounts of water were just propelling towards the ocean. Mm. And it's really cool. Yes. We also see evidence of uplift. So uplift is when plate tectonic activity uh, for those of you who are listening, I'm holding my hands level yeah. next to each other. Hold, yeah, everyone take your hands. And out. just kind of float just them chest like, high. Yeah. And just now like pointing your fingers at each other. Jam your fingertips together. Ouch. But and like you'll don't, notice don't that like sometimes your fingers go up. Yep. So that's uplift. Mm-hmm. When plate tectonics jam mm-hmm. and they force rocks upward. But they also they can also go down. They can. Or they can slide. They certainly can. Yes, a rock well, slide. Go. You're right. You are correct. Once I'm get... good at signs. Well, one of the things that I want to tell you about is that the uplift is kind of a mystery. <gasps> a little bit of a mystery here. Oh. One second while I turn some pages. So this is called the uplift of the Colorado Plateau. And this is from the geology page of Grand Canyon National Park, uh, U.S. National Park Service. So... The way in which the Colorado Plateau uplifts is puzzling. This is a direct quote from the page. With uplift, geologists generally expect to see deformation of rocks. Ugly rocks. Rocks Mm -hmm. that are kind of higgledy-piggledy all over the place. Like they got jammed together like a car crash. Yeah. Uh, Back to the quote. The rocks that comprise the Rocky Mountains, for example... They were dramatically crunched during their uplift, but on the Colorado Plateau, the rocks weren't altered significantly. Hmm. In fact, they were instead lifted while remaining high and flat. Okay. Which is quite unusual. Yeah. Possibly unique to this area. Hmm. And uh, in fact, it's such a mystery that History.com and their famous History Channel have suggested that... Aliens? Yup. Oh my god. <laughs> you thought I was joking, but I what wasn't. Is, so aliens just... Lifted parts of the earth. Why not? Why not, Jen? <laughs> aliens. I I cannot with this network. I can't What either. is their fucking deal? I don't know. I mean, beyond the racism of just assuming that people could in ancient Egypt could never have built the pyramids on their own. Right. You you don't even give the earth enough credit to create itself. Nope. <laughs> it's aliens. Aliens. I'm surprised I didn't say it was just Jesus. Girl. Or Hitler. Hitler Jesus. Hitler Jesus. Okay. Wait. Well. Alright, so these geologic formations. The third Reich and their secret Grand Canyon Canyon. You joke, but you probably just wrote a whole season of the show right there. there. Was someone somewhere at the History Channel is just like, oh, shit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to do a Pawn Stars about it. Sorry. Are you okay? I have feelings. You do? Yeah. All right. So we're seeing ground cutting erosion through this uh, steep descent of the Colorado River. The Colorado River is what kind of... Uh, eroded this gorge, this Mm -hmm. canyon. We also see this incredible and unique uplift of the Colorado Plateau. Additionally, we see the horizontal, what is it, the original horizontality Mm. being uh, demented where it's Yeah, when you you can see like there's a bunch of stripes and they're all different colors. And then you can see some parts of the canyon where you can see the same stripes, but they jump. Exactly. You can tell that's exactly. different. Yeah. And so you also have evidence of ash and lava settlement, volcanic rocks. 
And then you kind of just get to see where humans have interacted with the space as well, because the site was sacred to Pueblo, Hopi, Navajo, Wallapai, uh, amongst others. Mm -hmm. So we have a number of Native Americans Mm -hmm. who are utilizing the site. In fact, the first Europeans didn't set foot there until 1540. Mm. And then the next time Europeans got there was like 1776. Yep. I'm surprised it's even that early. I know, right? And then we didn't get there again until 1820. Yeah. (laughs) And then then we started to really take over. I mean, it is in the middle of a fucking desert. It's true. And so you you have to kind of have a certain determination to go out there. Right. Right. And, you know, even back in the 1950s when people were, like, in cars, yeah. it was still pretty difficult to visit out there. Yeah. It was not a, not a small undertaking. So ecologically, it's also a really unique site. So there are... Sorry, I'm such a nerd. 1,737 different vascular plants, including cacti, 167 different varieties of fungus, Jeez. 64 different types of moss... Oh, my God. I know. Amazing. <laughs> and 195 lichen. Oh, wow. I lichen. know. See, I fine, Jen. I'll give you something sexy. Yeah. Six different types of rattlesnakes. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Now you, do you miss the lichen now? <laughs> I do like a good lichen. Indeed. There's also 90 different animal species. I'm sorry, mammal species. Oh, shit. Guess what the majority are? Coyote. Good guess, but no, too extreme of a temperature. They're too large to live well there. Okay. Bobcats? No. Rodents. Rodents! Places straight up crawling with different type of mice. Desert mice, hopping mice. Yeah. That's fun. And then also, sky mice. Bats. Oh. (laughs) You just scared me a lot. (laughs) I'm sorry. But really, that's kind of what they are. That's kind of what they are. Little night puppies. And kind of how I felt when I woke up with a bat flying around in my bedroom. That's never happened to me, but it's happened to my sister. Yeah. 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 They're not as cute then. I would imagine not. They're not. Speaking of not cute, it also has two different types of endangered fish living in the waters of the Colorado River through the gorge, Uh including uh, the humpback chub, which was my nickname in high school, (laughs) and the razorback sucker, which was my nickname in college. Uh, but the, that first one reminds me of if anyone's seen any of the new Disney Plus show, The Mandalorian. In the first episode, I believe, there is a delightful animal named the Blurg. Yep, it's true. And it looks like a giant, ugly ass fish on land with two big T Rex legs, and you ride them. Well, you try to. Yeah. So there's 48 different bird species, and it's notably one of the winter hangouts for the American bald eagle. Oh, God bless. Patriotic. America. 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 Fuck yeah. I do also have some notes here about the less fun critters. So hang on one second while I flip some Rattlesnakes was not on that list? Oh, rattlesnakes we've already talked about, honey. We're moving on to something more interesting. Right. But that was my... Rattlesnakes are not on the not fun list. It gets better. So, the insect species commonly found in the river corridor. Uh, This is a direct quote from Grand Canyon Wikipedia's page. Mm -hmm. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Wikipedia's Grand Canyon page? Indeed. Mm -hmm. So this is the insect species commonly found in the river corridor and tributaries are... This is where you lose me. I'm not going to spend any significant time in the Grand Canyon because... Uh Midges, caddisflies, mayflies, stoneflies, blackflies, mites, beetles, butterflies, moths, and fire ants. Uh. So like of that list, there are two things that are kind of okay 
and ants the rest that are of them mean are terrible. So, and our ants are nice. They There's are. not a single ant that is crawling on you that is any sort of threat to you in the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And the same cannot be said of ants in other places. They suck. They do. They seem to. Yeah. You can't trust an ant. That's ants are. They're so cool and strong and nice. Well, they will fuck up your house. Well, that's true. I don't have to worry about that. My mm-hmm. house is not that old. Anyways, uh, additionally, there are numerous species of spiders and several species of scorpions, including the bark scorpion and the giant desert hairy scorpion. Oh. Oh, God. Which was my sister's high school nickname. (laughs) I love you, Maggie. Yeah, so there's a lot of cool critters. Uh, Yeah. I think it's cool. Scorpions. So it's it's really all of this together makes it kind of a premier natural attraction. Yeah. It's one of the most visited places in the United States. Uh, of the 5 million plus visitors it gets every year, 83% are Americans. Mm-hmm. And then the other 17% are Canada, the UK, France, which surprised me, and the, Amst- and the Netherlands, Amsterdam. Oh. Yeah, they get a lot of people who are Go Dutch. Us, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so the first time that Theodore Roosevelt visited... It was actually 1903, mm. and he decided to make it a game preserve, and he wanted to preserve this all... This is me rolling my eyes. Oh, good. Yes, you should be. <laughs> uh, to make it a game preserve... For he... me, to hunt him. <laughs> right. So he had to get rid of all the other natural hunters. So they exterminated bald eagles. They exterminated... I know, right? In America. Teddy Roosevelt... They exterminated mountain lions. Yeah, you. They exterminated wolves. They exterminated all the other... Oh, my God. Coyotes. All of these critters that are natural hunters were getting in his way. He succeeded in making it a reserve in 1906. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was kind of kept together by a group of people that would eventually become the National Parks Association. And the National Parks Association was a group of lobbyists who were lobbying to push through the Antiquities Act. Right. The Antiquities Act of 1906 is what made it possible for presidents of the United States to create national monuments and mm-hmm. national parks. Which is baller. Super baller. Uh, it also gives them the power to, say, roll back protections on those same spaces. Not so baller. Less baller. <laughs> uh, Woodrow Wilson actually uh, made the Grand Canyon uh, America's 17th. He made the Grand Canyon. Jennifer, do I have to go back to the beginning where we talked about what made the Grand Canyon? Because I will start over until you understand the geological <laughs> no, forces at play here. No, but I know you're going with this, and it's you're going to say that it was that it was made a national park in 1919 yes. because it is the centennial. The centennial this year, and so they had all the kinds of like fun like signs and stuff about how it's the Grand Canyon centennial, and I was like, yes, we've done it. We've had the Grand Canyon for a hundred years. It's been a hundred years of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> The Grand Canyon started being formed two billion years ago. A hundred years of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> oh, let me flip Happy it. birthday. Good job, us. Happy birthday to you. Uh, you hundred-year-old baby, natural wonder. What is that voice? I what don't know, but doing? I love it. God, you're so weird. <laughs> uh, so if you visit the National Park today, there's Just actually today. a lot to do. Oh. So you can go hiking. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you would, but you could. One could. You could camp. Although, no joke, because we talked about, like, oh, maybe we'll hike down. Because like, there's something like 
99% of people who visit the Grand Canyon only stay on the rim. Yeah. Because that's where it's safe. That's where it's safe. And it turns out that it is like super fucking treacherous to hike down there. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to come back to that idea in just okay. a hot second. Put a pin in it. I'm excited. <laughs> so, now that we're talking about people. <laughs> my God. Uh, so hiking, camping, helicopter tours, very popular. Ooh, oh, oh. There is Man. an ultra marathon no. of the Grand Canyon. No, there is not. Where they try and get super fit stupid people <laughs> to run 78 motherfucking miles <gasps> in 24 hours. It can't be done. It cannot be done. It's never been done. Not God nor man nor James <laughs> Franco himself. Yeah. Uh, 78 miles, Not 24 straight Not the star hours. of 127 hours himself. Right. Um, you can also go horseback riding, uh, mule back riding. In fact, if you were there a couple of years ago and you went on a horse riding trail, my roommate Luke, my former roommate Luke, might have been your guide. Oh, fun. I know. So he's the one who sent me a lot of information uh, about this because he used to be a park not ranger, but like a worker. And additionally, he's worked for Yellowstone and other ones. Luke is a real horsey guy. Like he's like basically oh. a cowboy who's unfortunately in very much the wrong century. Yellowstone is a very horsey park. Yeah. So he does a lot of the trail riding stuff. Yeah. In fact, I think he's in Arizona again right now. And he's doing like big ranching trips and like that sounds like fancy fun. hunting trips for billionaires. Well, okay, not that. Right. <laughs> well, I think he does love his job. I just want to ride horses. Yeah, he would. Luke's a good place to. Luke is a good place. Luke's He's a, a good, good person place. to like take. Yeah. I, with you on a horse ride. All right. I mean, I'm not going to do it, but more power to you. Okay. There's also, and here's one of the most dangerous things that people go through: the Rim River Rim Run, where people try and hike. Down from the rim to the river, mm-hmm. which is a drop of about 800 feet. And then back up the far side, uh, Rim River Rim, mm. that uh, creates such a chaotic... It, it, it just creates chaos in your body. The, the change yeah. in air pressure. It's a shock to The incredible system. heat and cold. The exposure. Yeah. About... God, what was it? 99% of the rescues that occur are occurring because people are trying to do extreme hiking and they're not prepared. Yeah, yeah. Like, we thought about going hiking down from the rim, and they were like, do you have three liters of water each? Do you have, like, 6,000 calories of granola bars? Do you have all of the sun protection? And we're like, no. We shall stay here. <laughs> yeah. We'll stay right on the top. Thank if you show very me much. to your gift shop. <laughs> yes. That's... Yeah, Uh, not a joke. Show me to your enamel pin collection, please, sir. I will stay there. I'll stay right in my lane. Thank you. Get a taco from the truck. Um, in 2014, they actually opened skydiving into no right. No, such a bad idea. No. Yep. Would you? No. (laughs) I actually would go skydiving. I would never. It doesn't seem that bad to me. I hate free falling that is one of my fears yeah i jumped off a waterfall once it was like a 15 foot drop 
worst experience of my life. Oh, you precious I immediately darling. regretted it so much. I was so scared of the possibility of hitting the rocks. Sure. That I like jumped really far and then I hit the water really hard and it hurt and I was so scared and it was not fun at oh, all. I'm and sorry. I hated it. I'm done. Yeah, no. I'm done. It's, it's good to know what your things are. Like give me a good roller coaster where I'm strapped in and I know the route huh. and I'm good to go. No, I'm much safer in the water. <laughs> well, water, yeah. But like, I'll jump from any falling. height. Mm. No, doesn't no. scare me. Now, get me anywhere near a pregnant woman and I'll possibly burst into tears. <laughs> Especially if I can see the baby kicking. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <Ugh. laughs> Congratulations on your sentient tapeworm. Oh. Oh. Sorry. My my very good friend Jessie just had her baby Jade, uh-huh. and I'm very excited that it's out now. I can really enjoy it now. Yes. Her. I can stop calling it an it. Her. Yeah. Her name is Jade. Let's just leave her to get a little cuter. Yeah. <laughs> no. Cute right away. Oh, Once okay. they're wiped off, I am pro-baby. Good. It just has to be cleaned. Mm. All right. So, additionally, uh, the Navajo Nation will soon be opening a huge uh, shopping mall experience. Complete with an IMAX. Good for them. Yeah. That's what I say. So those are some of the things that have happened uh-huh. uh, that are coming. Um, one of the Ooh, things... Quick question. Yeah. The I know they built like a glass walkway. They did. The glass walkway is part of the Hopi. Oh, yeah. Totally. I would. Sure. Yeah, I would do that too. Yeah. Like if I die... All right. It's got railings. It's got railings. If I go that way... Then it'll be a nice fall. Then you can sue. Someone can sue. Someone will sue. That's right. So it'll be. It's not your dumb fault. Right. (laughs) Just because y'all weren't prepared. Yeah. Um, So one of the things that you used to be able to do Uh was go blast mining. No. What? Yeah. Guess what for? Gold. Straight up uranium. Oh my god. The area is rich in uranium. Mm-hmm. So uh, that brings me to my second favorite news story of the year. Uh huh. Back in April, April, sure, yeah. I believe. I should, I, I should have printed it off. Go with your gut. April. April. Why not? <laughs> it was discovered that the Grand Canyon Park Ranger system mm-hmm. had been storing three five-gallon paint buckets of uranium ore in the museum and visitor center. <laughs> Oh, no. Where hundreds of thousands of people were exposed, including their workers. And when it was found out, they tried to cover it up. Somebody had to leak the memo that this was happening. That's bad. Yeah, when they were sent to clean it up, all they were given were, like, Mr. Clean dish gloves and, like, mop and bucket. Yeah, they'd just been chilling next to it. Who cares that it's super fucking radioactive? So fucking radioactive. Yeah, yeah. You know that... Have you heard of uranium glass? Yes, uranium glass is beautiful. Yeah. It's like neon yellow or green. Green, yeah. Yeah, and you put it under a black light and it glows. It does. And it's also mildly radioactive. As one one is. But not enough to really hurt you because it's mixed with glass. Right. And it's not just... Buckets of straight up Just uranium. Straight up uranium, which is what this was uranium ore. And it had been there in those buckets since the year 2000. And it was discovered in 2018. Ah, how many of those employees will have horrible cancer? For real. Uh, oh, also, no. if you ever want to read a really disturbing book about why work regulations are important oh, yeah. and how your uh-huh. regulations uh-huh. are written in blood. Mm-hmm. Read Girls of the Atomic City. Yeah. It's about girls who used to paint the um, 
Watches. Low in the dark watch faces. My favorite for murderer did a good. Did they? Uh, story on the uranium girls. <sighs> their glass, their jaws were, they would just powder. Fall and off. Crumble. They would just. Yeah, you know, because they used to. Like they candle would, wax. They would lick yeah. the uranium paint. Yeah. Uh, so that they would Keep straighten the brushes. The brushes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <gasps> it's bad. Bad news. Real bad. So um, this show isn't called, this podcast is. Geologic history. Yeah. (laughs) This podcast is all about the natural wonders of the world. Can you imagine how bad that would be? That would be fun. Well, yeah. I'd be like, guys, don't go outside. Outside is stupid. (laughs) Inside is where it's bad. Yeah. So tell me. Tell uh, me. There are a lot of deaths at the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Usually, on average, about 12 per year. This year had a higher than average public for falling. They just would fall. So if about 12 people die per year, half of those are people who are, like, taking photographs and walk backwards into the back of the canyon. I cannot imagine the terror. The horror of what I've seen it happen. <laughs> like yeah. you're just I mean cuz there's so many people there and everyone's taking pictures and everyone's having a great time or trying to have a great time because they're on vacation. Yep. And then all of a sudden you just hear someone scream and tumble backwards off the biggest cliff you've ever seen. Yep. And then go splat. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oh. At best their hope is to land on a ledge about 280 feet down, but that's still going to kill you. Yeah, what is your what is your hope there because you're still you're dead. dead. You are super dead, you know. Dead. Yeah. So of those 12 per year on average, about half of them are from falls. The remaining half, half of those, so a fourth overall, uh-huh. are exposure to the elements. So people who are trying to do that rim to rim bullshit. And then the other fourth are medical, dangerous scorpion bites, <sighs> snake bites, things like that. I'm really glad I didn't know about that before I went. <sighs> well, it's a small service I can do for you. Thank you. Um, so one of the things that historically made the park a little dangerous was when they were blasting for new trails. So they would have to use dynamite to explode in order to clean up large rocks from trailheads. Or not just hit trailheads, the trail body themselves. In fact, it killed one of the most notable graves at the site. And that was that's the grave of Reese B. Griffiths. Mm-hmm. So Reese was a trail worker. Um, I actually looked at his death certificate today. And it's he's he's a trailblazer, mm. and so he was going through and he was using dynamite to clear rocks, and unfortunately, in while he was checking to see that the rocks were stabilized, they weren't. Oh no! And so he was crushed by a boulder. <gasps> so the, uh, he was born October twenty sixth, eighteen seventy three, and he died February sixth of nineteen twenty two. Yes, he was he was crushed. He'd actually, previous to being blown up, he was such an, an an admirer of the Grand Canyon that he had requested of numerous people that when he dies, he wants to be buried at the bottom of the Grand well, Canyon. Well done. He kind of he kind of helped himself along Did the way. They just leave him there. They brought him back. Okay. They gave him a proper burial. Because <laughs> I'd be like, and you got your wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, his grave is very easy to spot. It is basically a large mound of red and black rocks with Mm. a crudely made cross. And when you go on these uh, mule and horse tours that Luke Mm. used to lead, they would would lead you right past that gravesite, and they would talk about his life. And they would talk a little bit about his afterlife. Oh! (laughs) It is very common at dusk 
to see lights hovering above his grave. And sometimes when you're hiking on the North Rim, which is close to where he was when the explosion happened, you'll run into a gentleman who looks like he's dressed in 1920s clothing. Oh, my God. And he'll ask you where you're headed, according uh-huh. to uh, internet sources. Uh-huh. Who would never lie. Right. So he talks to people along the way, and he encourages them to enjoy the park. So he's kind of like... Amazing. The good guy. It's like their mascot. Yeah, of, of all the hauntings. And there actually are quite a few. I'm not going to talk about all of them today because mm-hmm. I encourage you to do your own research. Um, of course, there's like a wandering woman and yeah. suicide. There, there actually are a lot of suicides at the Grand Canyon. I can imagine. Uh, let's keep talking about one of the most famous plane crashes in mm. history. Okay, I do know a little bit about this. Do you know this one? Okay. Because I saw the site where it happened. Oh, wow. Good. Did you see any of the plane wreckage, which is still partially No, there? because it's like in the canyon, yes. and I was looking at it from above. Above. Which and is so place. I posted a picture of it, because like the most beautiful view that I saw that day. And <laughs> If it's the last one you're going to see. And it's a site of a very tragic accident. It really is. Go on. Um, so this accident happened June 30th of 1956, about 10.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that two different flights, TWA, which is Trans World Air, uh, Flight 2, I guess they were fairly new back then. Wow. <laughs> uh, flight 2, which was a Lockheed plane, and then uh, United Airlines Flight 718, which was a DC-10. Both of those are propeller-style planes. Yes. I like planes. They've got... <laughs> I was telling Dan that I was doing this, and he was like, oh, here's some things about fuselages. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he knows. He does, yeah. He's a, he's a software person for planes. Anyway, so uh, 10.30 in the morning, these two flights had actually taken off from LAX just about three minutes apart. And this was kind of the early boom of air travel. Uh, air travel, you know, it got started in the 1920s, but it really wasn't made affordable or practical or safe until getting into the 50s. Yeah, I mean, in the 20s, people are like, I'm going to get into this tin can and see how far it will go. Right. And by the 50s, it's like, okay, well, here's a seat right. for you. Here's a chair. Yeah. And also, we'll bring by a beer in a while. And you can smoke. Ideal. So these two flights together had 128 souls between them. The first flight, the pilot of the TWA flight was Jack Gandry. First officer, James Richer. I'm sorry, James Rither. And then uh, flight engineer. The flight engineer is the person who like who used to have to track everything, like where you mm. were and where you were flying. Mm-hmm. Today we have telemetry machines for that. So basically like, you know, radar. Yeah. That'll be important later. Yes. So anyways, uh, his name was uh, Forrest... Bray Fogel. The United Airlines flight had Captain Robert Shirley, along with his first officer, Robert Harms, and their flight engineer, Gerald Fiore. Additionally to them were 122 other people on their two flights, including crew. So they collided in uncontrolled airspace. There was no radar. There was nobody who had eyes on the skies to tell them that these guys were too close together. So they were flying by... um, VFR, Visual Flight Rules. Okay. So as opposed to IFR, this is where Dan came in, sorry. So IFR is when you're f- you're using your tools, instruments. Sure. Instrument flight rules. And the other one is where you're using your eyeballs. Yes. Okay. And so... And historically, we know that those don't always work. Well... Titanic. They, they don't. They really don't. There's a lot of flaws, uh, especially with flight, because flight is so disorienting. Mm-hmm. You're really... It's hard to look... In all the places. Like if you're in a car yeah. and you're just going forward, 
you have like 180, you know, arguably 360 if you're real responsible. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. But you um, also don't have up and down. Right. And you don't. Up, like... down. That, that other stuff really oh. does complicate things. Mm-hmm. So they had no tools beyond their own vision. And unfortunately, that resulted in the two planes colliding at about a 25-degree angle, which is a very sharp, acute angle. Not that there's a good angle to go in at. No. Um, But it was so... You don't want to hit anything in the air. But if you're at that close, it's really hard to pull away. Almost parallel. Yeah. So if you're at a 90-degree angle, you have time to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. You You can can also probably see see it coming. Exactly. Because I was imagining these planes like coming at each other like head on. No. It was more like... Um, imagine the more common highway accident when somebody changes lanes so without a blind blinker. spot. Exactly. Oh, shit. exactly. And in this case, it was the DC-10, mm-hmm. the uh, United Airlines flight, that became. They were the ones who became aware that they were going to hit. Oh shit. So we have magnetic tape from them calling into the Seattle, nope, Salt Lake to the Salt Lake airport, uh-huh. uh, saying. You know, Mayday, Mayday, we're going to hit. And then in the background, you can hear, so Harms is calling in the Mayday. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going down. And you can hear Harms in the background. Or I'm sorry, you can hear Robert Shirley, the captain, in the background screaming, pull up, pull up. And it just wasn't fast enough because propeller planes Jeez. are so much harder to uh-huh. change. It's like a skyboat. Damn. Oh, my God. That's, that's really sad. terrifying. And, and what made that worse, because they crashed over the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. All of the the Grand Canyon's largely very isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, or it certainly was in the fifties. When you're in the Grand Canyon, there's a park, and there's like what's been built up around the park, like hotels and restaurants and stuff. But other than that, you are in the middle of the desert. You drive out a of the couple of deserts. Yeah, you drive out of the park, and there is nothing. Like the the scariest thing for me was like, oh my god, what happens if we run out of gas? Yes. You're stranded. Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. And I've mm-hmm. also seen the hills have eyes. Oh, and so, yeah. like, that's not my jam. Yeah. So anyway, um, they didn't know where these planes were. They had this one call to Salt Lake. But the only reason that they knew that the planes were missing at all is because they weren't getting repeated calls with their location. So mm. the, pl- the flights were first listed as missing. Shit. And then it took one day for anybody to notice flames, another day for him to hear that these planes are missing and for him to go out and find them again. Who is this person who's still looking for him? He was... Oh shit, I had his name somewhere. I'm so okay. sorry. I didn't write down his name. I encourage you to check it out. But he had his own Grand Canyon small flight. He did charter flights. Oh, okay. So it's a local guy. A very local, very okay. small guy. So he went out with his brother and they did find the two pieces of wreckage. They called it in. The FAA got there and they had such a horrible time trying to locate bodies. Mm. And by then, animals had been involved. Oh, no. Um, so of the 128 souls lost, 66 were interred in a mass grave in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is nearby. And then they had so many partial bodily remains that they could never identify. So remember, out of 128, we found and identified 66. Wow. And then we have 29 individual we know that they're, they're different body parts from different people. Mm-hmm. 29 body parts that were interred in four different coffins mm-hmm. and put and laid to rest as well. Yeah. So it was a really, really horrible, horrible mm-hmm. aviation 
exercise, uh, uh, aviation accident. accident. Yeah. And it actually was, at that point in time, the largest aviation accident in, U- in the United States. Mm-hmm. It was over 100 bodies, and that had never, that was a record that was set that yeah, day. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. So it actually became a national historic site. It's the first national historic site where they certified airspace as a historic space, mm. which is pretty interesting. They couldn't make the Grand Canyon floor a historic site because... No. It was already protected. Yeah. (laughs) So they protected the air, uh, which is pretty interesting when you think about it. Mm. The retrieval of the bodies was also pretty horrific. As we've discussed, hiking down into the canyons is not something your average person should be doing. Right. Not even your average, like, sheriff's officer should be doing that or firefighter. Mm -hmm. So the United States and the Parks Corps actually hired Swiss mountaineers to come in and help retrieve the bodies. Wow. And it was an, an international effort that was one of the moments when kind of the world mourned with America. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, like, early 9-11 sort of feel. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they were able to recover those 90-some-odd bodies out of the 128 and make sure that they were put to rest. Now, this show is not... <laughs> these people died. <laughs> right. So there are actually ghosts of these people. Sometimes when you are hiking or you're, say, ultra-marathoning like a fucking moron, mm. you'll run across a man or a woman, and sometimes uh, they're just in business casual clothes. Yeah, as they would have been. As they would have been. And they act... Sometimes disoriented, they don't know where they are. Mm. They're asking you uh, where the airport is, things like that. Or they're just sobbing, looking for the people who would have been with them on the flight. Oh my God, that's... Can you imagine running across somebody like that? And also, like, they're disoriented, but also, like... How disorienting for you to see Indeed. if you're like in the middle, you're adventuring, you're in the middle of the Grand Canyon and you happen across some madman dressed looking person. Yeah. And who's oh. been gone for 70 years. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Ooh. Why do I love the sad deaths so much? What does that I do matter too. I'm acting horrified, but I'm like, oh, it's like that Bill Hader sketch where he's like the guy who eating popcorn, like, Oh, how awful. (laughs) Tell me more. That's exactly what this is. That's what this whole show is, let's be honest. (laughs) So, yeah, that was was TWA Flight 2 with uh, United Air Flight 718, June 30th of 1956. Amazing. Yeah. Ready for a listener story? I am so ready for a listener story. Okay, let's get out of this funk and into a different funk. Uh, Yay. You could say we could get a little funky. Oh, you want to get funky, funky, funky. Everybody clap your hands. Clap, clap, clap your hands. Okay. Speaking uh, of the early 2000s. So this story comes from Katie M., who is in our Facebook group. Hey, yeah, we know her. Yeah. Uh, so she says, "Hey, uh, hi, Jen and Kate. I'm catching up now listening to your podcast, and I love them. I have a story that happened to my family that I wanted to pass along because I thought you might be interested. Definitely. You have my attention. <laughs> uh, this happened about six months ago. Oh, Recent. A recent well, haunting. six months before October 25th, okay. 2018. Oh, all right. So like a year and a half ago. <laughs> uh, my husband and I took our children for a family vacation to Paris. Schmancy. Uh, we have been before and stayed in hotels, but decided to rent an Airbnb for this visit. How nice. That is a really good idea. We found the most amazing place, a historic apartment in the main heart of the city. 
That sounds charming as fuck. Feel free to, you know, send us that link yeah. to that Airbnb. Let us know. Yeah. yeah. With all the money that we have to go to Paris. Uh, so right. Someday. Someday, we'll Jen. We'll save up our, our money. I'd settle for the Grand Canyon right now. Shit, yeah. Everything was uneventful for the first night or two. Little sounds occasionally we couldn't explain, but it's an old building, so we wrote it off. Yeah. That's what it does. The third night I was woken up uh, by my husband saying, sweetie, what are you doing? I replied, sleeping. He startled up next to me, and I turned to switch on the lamp by my bed, or by the bed. As I reached over, I was shocked to see a woman standing at the door of the room. That doesn't sound good. No, it does not. (laughs) I flicked on the lights, and she was gone. Uh, My husband asked me if, quote, I saw her too. I told him I thought I saw something. Oh, my God. I straight up have goosebumps. Yeah. And it's not because it's freezing in here. (laughs) Might also because of that. (laughs) He told me that he thought uh, I was standing at the door because he saw a woman with long blonde hair standing there looking at the bed. And a very brief flash that I saw before flipping on the lights uh, that sounded like what I saw, too. I got up to check on the kids to make sure if it hadn't been either of them and they were both sleeping. Well, that's good. At least they left the kids alone. Yeah. The next morning, my youngest son, almost four then, asked me, Did you see the pretty lady in our house? So no. So no. (laughs) She told me I was a beautiful baby. I was trying to explain away what we had seen to my husband. I think I was saying something about a car headlights granted no window anywhere near where we saw her. Oh, oh so like flash of car lights. Right. Um, and a lamp in the living room turned on by itself. Girl, <laughs> run. Uh, when I checked the lamp, it was not plugged in. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck all of France. Leave. Yeah. Well, they we checked out shortly after. Jesus. Good for you. I wonder, darling, you should write back and tell us or, or announce somewhere... Did you tell your Airbnb person about your experience? Mm, I'm always curious to see. Uh, Well, she continues. I went into that apartment not believing in ghosts or at least thinking that most stories can can be explained by other more logical things. But I can't think of any reasonable explanation for what we saw that night. We will definitely be back to Paris, but we'll probably stay in a hotel next time. Although that is no guarantee. Right. (laughs) That it's not haunted as fuck, especially in Paris. Amen. Thank you, Katie, for the wonderful little spook of a story yeah see it's stories like that yeah that keep me believing exactly like i yeah you can you can get so detached from there have been reports right of this wandering white lady blah 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 blah, 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 blah. blah. you're like whatever but then when there's someone telling you something like this and you're like i'm right back in the game yeah i cannot explain that yeah so i would have no reason not to believe her exactly that is certifiably creepy love it yeah also i hope that that i hope that that goes stops talking to kids fucking yeah you're saying nice things don't be a creep rude so yeah thank you all uh we have only one new uh patreon patron to thank oh uh thank you to elizabeth jury <gasps> cambry oh okay I'm not aware of all the nicknames. Yeah, well. So, thank you. The longer you know me, the more likely you are to get a nickname, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> Although that's I did true. not give Cambry Cambry's nickname. In fact, for the longest time, I didn't know Cambry's name was Liz. Wow. Also, I just randomly clicked a button and then another person showed up that I, I thought we had two to thank. Ha ha. And we do. Charmaine. 
Don't know that one. Okay. All well, right. Well, but I'm super glad. Thank, thank you, Charmaine. Charmaine. Get out of my head. Sorry. So, yeah, that that does it for us this time. Uh, thank you, you all for listening. If you want to check out our Patreon, we will be posting our video soon. Yep. Very soon. <laughs> for sure. Get that done. Yes. And if you want to check it out and join the Patreon family, we are at patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted. And if you would rather just hang out with us in the free space, that is the rest of the internet. Yeah. Uh, we are on Twitter at haunted underscore pod, Instagram at this podcast is haunted, Facebook uh, this podcast is haunted discussion group, which is the dopest place on the internet. It is, uh, and then if you have a story that you would like us to read on the show, you can email us at this podcast is haunted at gmail um, Additionally, if you we were talking about this in the group earlier, if you are have a burning desire to to suggest a topic that we have not covered shoot us an email and please put topic or like episode idea in the subject so that i know that it's not a listener story right uh so yeah thank you all so much see you again in a fortnight (laughs) we certainly will until then avoid the 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 wham mageddon yes oh will it be december by then it will all right oh jesus this year's gone fast yep. what a shit show yeah avoid the wham again i'll see you all outside the the halls of Whamhalla. Whamhalla. <laughs> and until then stay spooky motherfuckers <sighs>